Yeah, I've just completed a teaching a retreat, uh, inside dialogue retreat here at BCBS. And uh, it was quite stunning and beautiful, actually, to begin to realize with folks in meditation some of these inquiries that I've uh, had going on for decades about language and the mind. Um, this could sound very intellectual, very abstract, but it was really gut-level compelling Vipassana practice, very profound. But let me start uh, where we are right now and uh, notice with you that um, as I'm speaking, uh, presumably you're understanding the words I'm using. And so when I pause and you know, turn the attention inward, I can notice that there's uh, this uh, felt sense of, oh, I'm, you know, speaking with people, kind of giving a Dhamma talk, something like that. Of course, there's the wordless experience of a sitting body. There's the notion of me, the notion of Dhamma talk, all that kind of thing. And a sense of direction that right now doesn't actually have words to it, but it's a, you know, it's like, ah, this is what I'm trying to get at. This is where I'm aiming this talk. And now, right now, as I'm speaking, here's the words that are coming out describing the thing, you know, saying what I want to say, you might say. All of that, <laughs> quite remarkably, is through, I won't go into a breakdown of the technology, which is also just hard tech, it's interesting, but through digits and back to analog, there's a speaker somewhere in your environment, a magnetic, you know, thing with a cone pushing airwaves, pushing the air, creating these high pressure, low pressure regions that are traveling from that speaker to your ear and wiggling your eardrum. So before I go any further in that process, I want to point out that this throat, the vibrations in my throat, going through all that process, are wiggling your body. It's actually very intimate. So your eardrum, you know, responds to these changes of pressure. And there's, uh, you know, in the cochlea, there's this kind of spiral thing, structure, with liquid in it and like kelp in the ocean floating in that liquid is the cilia is like, you know, tendrils floating in the liquid and they vibrate differently based on frequency and loudness. Right. So that's all happening in your head, not mine <laughs> based on this voice right now. So depending on which of those vibrate, they're all connected to nerves, fibers that run to your brain. 
So my voice is wiggling your brain, you know, through the, you know, electrochemical signal sent from your ear. And it gets even more bizarre and interesting that that series of pressure waves that then is experienced as sound is perceived, sanya, perception, as language, as words. And that those words then become a mind object strung together in incredibly subtle ways through linguistic processing in the brain that nobody understands, least of all me. And some sense of, oh, this is what Gregory is saying. Like meaning arises in your brain. You, not me. But where did it start? In my brain, right? I mean, we, we remember that was a couple minutes ago. We were saying, oh, there's this mindfulness experience, noticing what's happening. And as I sit saying this to you now, I feel my butt on this chair in this space, in this cottage. And there's this thing that I want to talk about, language, Dhamma, suffering and the end of suffering. And those ideas are coming through my, I didn't go over this part of it, but you know, somehow I get those into language. We'll talk about that because that has to do with speaking the truth, speaking, knowing what would be spoken by the mind, right? Mindfulness knows what's happening in this mind to some extent, of course. That whole complex of that which I want to say has now arrived in your mind. So, I mean, what's the right word there? Wow. Or like, oh my God, or <laughs> get out of my mind. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you're thinking right now, honestly, but I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should be careful and not invade them. You know, it's like you get a sense of the power of language, mind to mind contact, pasa, contact, with all of the implications of Paticca Samapada, all of the implications of contact. Because of what happens with contact? Vedana, pasa, pachaya, vedana. So there's feelings that arise as my voice touches your ears, sound, meaning, you're responding not just to the meaning of my words, you're responding to the tone of my voice. To whatever extent you're aware of that or it's subliminal, I don't know. But, you know, we're building some kind of relationship here, even though all I'm seeing is a you know, a few of you are bold and kind enough to show me your images. So I see those and others are just like boxes with names. But that is... You know, you are, we are building some kind of what trust, <laughs> whatever it is that maybe all of your, you know, reptilian defenses aided by this fabulously powerful brain of yours evolved over millions of years to be 
socially wise, socially intelligent, you're assessing me with every sound you receive, with every look in my face. You're assessing me. Do I trust this guy? Is he smart? Is he a real Buddhist? Um, is he just another old white guy spouting stuff? Uh, you know, how do I take this in? Some of which you're aware of, most of which you're not. Think of implicit bias and so on and so forth. So that's all going on. And the meaning of what I'm saying is going on. The words. And we're talking about language. We're talking about how meaning happens and so on. So our minds, our hearts, really, it's, you know, in that sense of chitta, are in relationship, you know, like inter, interwoven right now, along with this <laughs> delicate, <laughs> I'm sorry, after all these years, you'd think it wouldn't amuse me, but this delicate connection between my vocal cords wiggling and your eardrums wiggling with every sound I make. So it's intimate. It's a powerful transfer of mind-to-mind contact, pasa. And what happens with contact? Pasa, pachaya, vedana. Feeling. So there's pleasant and unpleasant and neither pleasant nor unpleasant. A whole flow of experiences from the sound of the voice, from the meaning of what I'm saying, which is not ear contact. That's mind contact. So you're responding to what I'm saying with like, don't like, you know, all the usual stuff. Pasa, pachaya, vedana, depending on contact, arises feeling. Vedana, pachaya, what? Tanha, craving, hunger, thirst. So all of the processes based on your entire lifetime of conditioning, (laughs) meeting, my particular lifetime of conditioning, and here we are. And whatever vibrations of of longing exist in you to understand, to feel, to, to have pleasant experiences, to avoid unpleasant experiences, to exist, to, you know, have... Uh, you know, if we were in a real conversation, let's say you were sitting opposite me, you know, at this table here at BCBS at Barry, and we were having a real conversation, not just me talking at you, for which I apologize, but that's the nature of these kind of modern Dhamma talk kind of circumstances. We would be, you know, and our tanha. <laughs> Like, do you see me? Do you like me? Do, you know, does this person think I'm smart? Do they think I'm this? Do they think I'm that? So that's all my bhava tanha. Huh? I want to exist and I, you see me and I exist. And this is all coming through language, right? And, 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 and mutual being in front of each other. See? Like, t- so, so, Vedana, Pachaya, Tanha. Or maybe it's the vibhavatanha, like, oh God, I hope he doesn't see. I'm, I'm terrible. I'm, you know, I want to get out. I don't want you to see me. I want to hide. I want to not exist. I actually, if I could, want to 
completely not exist to you know get out of here which of course in the thick of our lives can be very serious right we turn to suicide we turn to alcohol get me out and in relationships we get get me out of this you know a fear of intimacy a fear of being seen so that's the vibhavatanha and of course we all have the kamatanha we all want the pleasure i hope this talk is entertaining for you i hope you're enjoying it i hope it's fun so my pleasure would be oh they like me there's a social pleasure maybe you get the intellectual pleasure the contact with the mind of these ideas it's interesting titillating and maybe at some point it turns into dhamma you know it turns into something that's really useful as well as titillating tanha pachaya bhavo depending on this hunger the 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 body mind system clings it grasps so you know if if i said something let's say um uh inappropriate politically uh, offensive or racially uh, uh insensitive or patriarchal or something and and you had you know you were ready to react to that the unpleasant experience but the mind would cling to that not because it wants it but because it hate it doesn't like it and it reacts to it and you go off and the thoughts go off go on a stream and you know cling 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 instant by micro instant by micro instant that's the tanha pachaya bhavo the becoming bhava pachaya upadana the clinging the grasping instant by instant right this is super quick constantly happening here with you and me and the becoming then becomes enfleshed in the whole body whole sense of i am born into every moment and here we are so this human to human contact even mediated by you know video conferencing human to human contact shows us invites us into the seeing of something about this body mind this life where i cling and where i don't where i crave and where i don't and there are things that come up when i'm in front of you that if i'm sitting on a cushion all by myself i don't have to deal with thank you very much so there's very good reason for silent retreat with no with no talking because you would think that the body mind might calm down a little bit <laughs> unless you've been on retreat and you discover that as the mind gets more subtle it's still fabricating it's still confused and hurt 
gradually, of course, it does calm down, sometimes quite spectacularly, whether it's genre or just some experience of ease that we may not have had before. But you wouldn't be seeing what might be seen in this more stimulating and in some ways dangerous, you know, situation. So in terms of vipassana, which is to say insight, seeing the nature of experience, why would you leave out this enormous aspect of, of your human life, your relatedness, and not see those things if, if there was no way to develop sati, mindfulness, and samadhi, stillness of mind, gatheredness of mind, so-called concentration, if there were no way to develop sati and samadhi in relationship, then you'd say, okay, meditating is impossible in relationship, conversation over, right? That's what we're talking about. It's like that, that power of meditation to reveal what you can't see when the signal to noise ratio is so lousy, but you calm down with the samadhi, the pasadi, the tranquility, the gatheredness of mind. And there's still the brightness of awareness. Mindfulness is established. And you're in relationship. And you can even still talk. There can be there can be a quality of samadhi that is spacious and very stable, where the relational experience itself is like an object that calling it an object is just using kind of the pasana kind of language, but it's where the mind settles. It can be shockingly stable, like, like blow your socks off, stable. And the sati, the mindfulness, like awareness, what's going on now? Non-fusion with the senses, non-fusion with the fabrications of the mind. So you know what's going on. You, you know, you, you are fully bright and alert and in relationship and able to speak and listen. Typically less speech, typically pauses within the speech. And in these pauses, there's the words that you're using that you could be speaking to me, I speak to you. And there's the pause. I pause. I look at what's present moment experience. Present moment experience at its essence is not words. It's just, you know, it's feelings, mind states, and so on, just like it is in traditional vipassana, traditional meditation. And in life, please pass me the salt is just the visible end of the craving that one feels when one wants salt on one's food and you can't reach the salt. 
it's all uh, it's all nonverbal in that sense until we want to communicate it please pass the salt or hand me another brick or you know or how are you today so pause and you learn you learn you know you can do this to recognize that wordless ecosystem that is the functioning of body-mind, the wordless functioning of body-mind that we call, you know, experience. And that wordless quality of apprehension, you might say, of what's, you know, a phenomena, a phenomenal experience is, uh, this is a place where you can begin to really, we, you know, practicing meditation together can really begin to see the rising and vanishing, see the internal, the external, and both the internal and external in this, you know, way that it's described in the Satipatthana Sutta. And, you know, we can uh, explore together um, the living experience of Buddha Dhamma, not the conceptual experience of it, but the living experience of, let's say, metta or karuna, the living experience of the clinging, of the hindrances of doubt, the living experience of the mudita, because we can get closer to it than just the intellect. Than the you know the cogitating, the thinking, languaged mind, but we can tap down to the that wordless experience. Go to the words, speak, stop, back to experience. Speak, you know, when there's when there's something to say, you're not speaking just to speak and. We're in this together, this exploration of experience, of direct experience. So I'm going to pause there just to, you know, because I've said a lot. So I just want to pause and let you sense into what I'm saying. Kind of notice how it feels to pause. You happen to see thinking words in your own mind, you know, like your mind creating word-based thought. That might be happening. So I've described meditating together. I've described insight dialogue, basically. I mean, I haven't given you the meditation guidelines and all that stuff. I'm just talking about the experience of it. I've described a little tiny bit about the power of language to convey, to receive. You speak to me and, you know, you're not just going to talk about language. You're going to tell me your heart if you care to. I mean, you say, you know, my daughter's having a hard time. And it's like this rich experience of, let's say, 
the meaning that arises around that, the feelings in there, and it's received here. So the words are not just the vehicle for Buddha Dhamma, like we are now. The voice of another, I speak, and your listening is wise attention. Yono Manasikara, Manasikara. Those two conditions, the Buddha said, that's the conditions for the arising of right view. The voice of another and wise attention. And that's what we're doing. This is a practice of right view. But also, you know, when you tell me something about your, you know, that's closer to your heart. And, you know, this heart quivers with it, vibrates with it because I've received the meaning, you know, in, in that meaning of like, you know, this is a pain I'm feeling right now. It's a, 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 a part of the shared human experience and compassion arises. So the language is, you know, uh, a, a channel for the wisdom, but it's also a channel for this compassion, for love, care, kindness, generosity, the whole works. That's worth naming. If for no other reason, then language is used so carelessly most of the time for expressing selfishness and hatred. And, you know, you're all smart enough to know what I mean by that. That this is a powerful antidote for any any who would choose to take it to enter into insight dialogue and discover what's possible in relational practice in relationship to how you use language right speech and all that is part of it but you know right speech is is part of insight dialogue the same way that noble silence is part of vipassana would you say that Vipassana is just a practice of noble silence? If so, then rocks practice Vipassana, you know? Um, so there's a so much that is enabled by our practice together. How do I speak the truth? How do you speak the truth? And what is truth in meditation? Well, the nature of insight meditation is to know the nature of one's experience, correct? You're not talking about going to meditation practice to better understand, um, you know, geology or physics, you're go, going to know the geology, the topography of the mind, the physics of the, you know, experience. In other words, you're, you're really looking at the subjective experience in meditation. Yeah. What is going on in this mind moment by moment? So are you aware as I pause now of what it feels like to be hearing this and just be sitting there? Can you notice your body 
the experience of there, there is a body, there is a mind. How do you know? How do you know there's a mind, a body? Because you're a sensitive subject, you know, you are experiencing things. So in meditation, it's that subjective experience that is the, is the object, if you will, of meditation. So to speak the truth in insight dialogue means to speak the truth of experience, the subjective truth, not, yeah, I really did vote for this person or I really did crash your, the car or something. That's true. Of course, you don't want to lie in meditation. That's ridiculous. But the point is that what's meant by truth here is the truth of experience. And how do you know the truth of experience right now? If you were to tell me how you're feeling now, how would you know? You turn attention inward and you look. Sati, mindfulness, that's how you know. So in inside dialogue, that mindfulness is kind of encapsulated in that first guideline, pause. You know, cut the... <laughs> cut dream of proliferation and just come into the moment, pause, sati. Now, what's true? And that's where this whole part I was talking about a few moments ago comes in. Can I know the body-mind? Can I know present moment experience and speak? Speak it speak the truth. And if you're listening deeply, then there can be a transmission or a, relate, a relating of something quite profound, maybe, about, let's say, a Nietzsche impermanence that I'm experiencing, that you then get, oh, wow, yeah. Or dukkha, yeah. And you see that, you know, we're, we're in the kind of the deep investigation, the Dhamma Vijaya investigation of phenomena. That is uh, essential to insight. So I think I'll close now and just want to close by first of all, thanking CIMC and Nico. Thank you for your support. Um, and with the hope that whatever we've touched here is, has some value for you and that whatever benefit there is might be shared with all beings, you know, that the merit of our practice could really touch other beings, uh, bring something good into the world through our, our shared efforts. So thank you. Kind thoughts to all of you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org.
www.ghostbusters.org slash donate.